Happy, 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 whatever day it is at the time of you watching this. Welcome back to another episode of the Reconnect with Your Teenager podcast with yours truly, Emma G. If you are new to this format, welcome. It's so good to have you here. My name is Emma G, like I said, and I am a youth empowerment through music and songwriting coach for teenagers, young people, and everybody who's trying to find their voice, trying to find the power and find creative ways to step into it. Now, I recognize that what I do is maybe not the most conventional way of looking at youth development and youth empowerment. So, so I thought, what better way to enter into the avenues, the mysteries of the Gen Z mind than to speak with other coaches, therapists, counselors, mentors, you name it, uh, on this podcast platform. And today I am thrilled to be joined all the way from Georgia. She is somebody who does everything from modeling through to therapistism, which I love. Uh, she is a master uh, mental health worker. Her name is Kira McClellan. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'll mute myself. I'm good. <laughs> How are you today? Good, 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 good. I'm so excited about our conversation. I'm so like curious about what you do. But before we really dive into the work of you, um, I would love to sort of hear a little bit about what got you into mental health work. What yeah. got you, as especially you know in Georgia of all places, there's a lot of need. I think, from yeah. my understanding, I mean, I live in Washington D.C. these days, but oh. I believe there's a. I mean, <laughs> I see you. I see you. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about like where you're from in Georgia, um, and what got you into working in the mental health uh, spectrum? Yeah. Okay. So um, originally, I'm actually from Philadelphia. Um, I moved to Georgia. It'll be seven years in August. So okay. been here, been here a while. Um, my Philly people would say that I'm not from Philly anymore, but that's not true. So started my journey back in Pennsylvania. I went to Penn State, got my undergraduate degree in um, human development, family studies. And honestly, it started, that, that journey started where I would say this journey started from me being a, an adolescent, a troubled adolescent, I would say. Um, I, I was pretty confused about certain things that I was witnessing or experiencing as far as like the adults in my life. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, coming from high school, going into college, I, a lot of people already know like what they want to do with their life. They, they kind of pick a career already. I went into um, undergrad undecided. So I wasn't sure, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I know what I was moved by. And that was more so just understanding the dynamics of my family. So mm -hmm. undergraduate um, degree in human development and family studies, which kind of inspired this whole, I want to know about family dynamics and relationships and why we treat each other the way we treat each other and why we, you know, handle each other the way we do and what we can do to do better and be better. Um, but why does that, why does it start? Why is it so bad originally is from, from my experience. So, you know, you have guidance counselors in school and they kind of tell you different careers that you can go for. And originally the career I went for was um, a marriage and family therapist. That oh. was, yeah, that was the original thing that I wanted to do. It was like, I was kind of set on that. 
But when I talked to my guidance counselor, she said that pursuing a master's degree um, and like a therapy track via social work was more fitting for me because I'm also like you kind of kind of said in the beginning, um, a, a Jane of all trades. I like to do a lot. Um, hair, I do. I yes. So along with wanting to be a marriage and family therapist, I also wanted to be a high school um, counselor. Um, I wanted to work in a hospital. I wanted to do a lot. And she was like, well, help people. Yeah. She was like, <laughs> that, you should probably pursue something in social work because that's more general mm-hmm. as opposed to marriage and family therapy, where that's like very specific. And I would kind of be stuck with that, um, that track, if, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Social work. And I can still become a marriage and family therapist with the social work degree and licensure and all that. So it's kind of where I'm at now. Um, how I got here now. Uh, I worked with youth. That was like my first career outside of undergrad. It was a residential facility for um, troubled teenagers. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what started my love for that population. But also remembering how I felt as a teenager. I think that's the main part that um, working with the adolescent population, I think that's what's important is remembering that you once were there and you probably felt the same type of things that they're they're feeling, they're experiencing. So try to try to meet them where they're at. So they've yeah. all been my favorite population. So no, I hear you. I hear you. I've been working in this in this age with this age group for about seventeen years now myself. Okay. And everybody, it's amazing to me how how often people are like, oh, but they're the they're the hardest clients to have. They're the most difficult people to to mm. serve. And so I love what you're saying. Is like. Of course it's hard. Yeah. Because yeah. their 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 life is hard. Come on now. There. And and you remember it. And so I I I love the fact that you know that sort of your journey, your experiences as a teen really led you to this point in your career. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 wondering like was there a specific time as an adolescent for yourself? When you're like, yo, I need to help other people that are going through this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that it was um, probably my sophomore year in college. That's when I decided on my career track. Um, I explored classes in communications, human development, family studies, and I think um, accounting or like math or some stuff. And I was like, yeah, no. I want to do this because this makes the most sense for my life. And I'm really, I'm actually really good at it outside of pursuing it as a career. Everyone comes to me for advice. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just naturally a giving person. So, and then once you get into that career, you learn so much about yourself. Mm -hmm. That part. That (laughs) self-awareness bit is so important because once you're self-aware, you then can learn how to, you know, outwardly express and help other people as well. So, of course, handle other people. So, of course, yeah, that 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 journey, I I fell in love with it because again, I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I started it, and I was like, you know what, this is it, and I'm still on it because I'm I'm associate licensed at this point. I still have another license that I'm pursuing, um, but I haven't given up on it. It's not an easy career field. A, a lot of burnout with this career field, but for some reason, I'm still here. So. <laughs> I must love it, you know. Doing the Lord's work. And I, I want to go back to that burnout thing because I think that's one of the things that a lot of um, people who seek help may sometimes forget about mm. is, you know, the, the, the importance of 
making sure that the therapists or the counselor or the coaches cups are full as well. Mm-hmm. But I, let, let's take a step back. So you grew up in Philly. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. anybody who knows Philly beyond uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> <laughs> um, knows that Philly has its spots yeah. right yeah. it has its beautiful communities and it's got you know some just some some, some other other parts <laughs> yeah. and then you so you but you moved from philly to atlanta or sorry mm-hmm. to georgia um and that's another colorful space which i mean let me let me tell you i, I love atlanta yeah. i love georgia <laughs> i will always have a soft spot for that place but how has the dynamic between those two completely different spaces fed your ambitions your goals and your drive when it comes to helping people you know what's what's crazy is i didn't even move to georgia to pursue this um i moved to georgia to pursue my modeling goals and my hair goals um Mm. i call myself a therapist yeah i call myself a therapist because i'm a therapist and i do hair i'm in beauty school right now pursuing a cosmetology license but um, when I'm doing hair, that's also a form of therapy. If you know, if you've ever sat in a, you know, you're that's a therapy session. Depending yeah. on how deep you get with the with the person doing your hair, that's somebody's doing your hair. So you're going to get vulnerable a little bit. And typically, mm-hmm. half my clients become my friends because we have such deep conversations. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just coined the phrase therapist because I am not like an actual therapist. To go along with it it's cute you know fun um but i again i didn't come here thinking about therapy um i knew i had my bachelor's degree so i was like okay i can get a job if i need to but i want to be a model and i want to do hair so my first job when i moved out here was working at a, a braiding shop um, oh okay yeah, i was just like braiding hair um and it wasn't fulfilling um i had just left uh I graduated Penn State and I then um went to beauty school and that school shut down so I was kind of I don't know discouraged from my beauty school journey so when I came out here it wasn't as fun so kind of quit that I still was modeling I did some modeling I had a lot of fun with that but needed some money so (laughs) decided to use my degree and started working at a hospital full-time as the um, mental health tech on that child and adolescent unit full from seven to three Monday through Friday. And that's what was like, you know what? I got to pursue this a little bit more time. Mm. And so I was full time there for like a year and a half. And that's when the burnout started to kick in um, and burnout mixed with lack of pay. You're like, all right, what's next? What will I do? So get your master's degree. You want to be mm-hmm. a therapist. That's what the next step is anyway. So mm-hmm. I push it off. So again, instead of going back to beauty school, I was like, well, I'm already on this mental health journey, this therapy track. I'm working with the kids. I'm getting that experience. Let's just stick with it because it's a long journey. It's a mm-hmm. nice, nice little journey. <laughs> got to go to school. Then you got to get study, get a license and you got to get some hours. You got to get another license. It's it's a nice little journey um, that a lot of people I don't think are aware of once you start it because um, they don't really tell you. You kind of got to do that research. But mm-hmm. Once you're on it, you you gotta you gotta figure out if you want to stay on it. And I'm again still here. So yeah, that's once I started working at that hospital, um, I haven't again I haven't stopped working in the field since. Um, mm-hmm. Now my population has changed obviously, so I can get you know more experience with working with different 
populations, but I think like helping other populations also still help helps adolescents because a lot of my adults have teenagers. A lot of you know, there's teachers that I, I see and they work with kids. So mm-hmm. um, helping anyone helps everyone. And absolutely, I'm, I'm, absolutely. You know, well, the rising tides lift all ships. So yep. absolutely. <laughs> so a, a couple of things that, uh, and this is like a little bit maybe unique to you, and I think maybe to myself as well. Um, that I that I sort of thought about as you're telling me about all of the Janeable trades that you do mm-hmm. is that, you know, and, you know, most people, when they think of therapists, yeah, I think, think of like somebody behind a clipboard and, you know, the, the, the client sitting on a chair, maybe not looking at the therapist and, you know, you're kind of t- sharing your stories and then the, the, the old uh, person on, you know, the old therapist is like, oh, okay, well, this is what you need to do this, that, and the other thing. But you, are a model <laughs> and an actress, and and I, and I love that because I'm a musician, and you know, and I, I I tour and I record and I'm on iTunes and things, and so it's like you're the unconventional like glamour, you know, it's, it's like you're glamorizing um, mm-hmm. the, the yes. mental health, which I love, yeah. and of course, and you mentioned this in our pre-chat, um, you're also a person of color, which is important to you because. We have, a, you know, a distinct need for mental health support for yeah. communities of color. So mm-hmm. can you sort of walk, walk me through, like, what is that like balancing between yeah. therapy, beauty, hair, being a black woman? Oh, <laughs> it's fun. I will say that I have a lot of fun navigating it. Um I think I, I think I have the most fun when I tell people what I do as a right. as a career because naturally if you look at me if I say model you're like oh okay that makes sense um, and that that kind of gets to me because I grew up um, the first school that I ever went to was uh, African Center Elementary School mm-hmm. so my roots are really tied into just you know being black and just owning that and. Um, realizing certain things very early on, like light skin pr- privilege and uh, pretty privilege, and just having a grandfather that told me that um, pretty isn't everything, knowledge is power, things like that mm-hmm. was kind of instilled in me. So you 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 realize again that self awareness bit is it's very important. So once I realized certain powers that I had or things that I obtained or they I just you know I just have. You use it for the good. So I'm mm-hmm. not just going to use my pretty face just to be a model. I'm not going to just do that when I can do other things to kind of help. And naturally, again, outside of becoming a professional therapist, I'm just like a therapist for everybody, my friends, mm-hmm. my family. Like it's it's really a very fitting career for who I am as a person. So to put that piece together and actually help people outside of people that I know and I feel it like when I'm in my sessions with my clients, I really do feel like I'm helping them. And then they see, again, someone that's like, I never would have expected to, to see you. You know, I'm expecting, you know, old, the, 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 I think the population, the highest population is old white men, which is okay. You know, they're needed, but we're needed as well. So I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be the face um, and I hope I can inspire more people to to join it and, you know, just get their mental health in order because it's important. It's important. Yeah. They don't see people doing it that look like them, then 
you know, why, why would I do it? Doesn't make yeah. sense. That's white yeah. stuff. So I want to go back to 14 year old Kira. Yeah. <laughs> 14. Okay. Because I, I think, well, 14, 15. Um, I think a lot of people in the mental health coaching and counseling space generally kind of get there because they are also, you know, they've been on this beautiful journey for themselves of self-discovery, self-healing. What was like the clincher for you when it came to this is, this is my time to find help. This is my time to figure out um, how to overcome my trauma. This is yeah. my time to, tr- I, I tell people, my clients all the time, this is my time to turn my struggle into song. Yeah. You know, what, what, right? What, yeah. what, what was your moment? I would say my moment was a little bit later than 14. I think at 14, life was, life was pretty good at 14. Um, I'm so glad. I'm so I was glad. like, I was a freshman in high school, I think, either a freshman or a sophomore, one of those, but high school was pretty smooth. Um, my, my turning point, I would say was around my freshman, sophomore year of college. That was when I, I sought therapy for the first time on my own. Um, and I was like, you know what, I've been through some things and I need some help. Um, now 14 year old Kira, she experienced things, but I don't think I was really acknowledging it. I think I was still just on go with my life, my journey, but I had some deaths occur, um, very close family members. My best friend was actually murdered when I was 16. Um, and when that happened, I know I i wouldn't say I became atheist, but I no longer acknowledged God or anything. Like, I was really broken. Like, I was really broken. But I knew that I had to be a good person. I knew that. I knew that was the one thing you had to do on this earth is would be a good person, treat people mm-hmm. how you want to be treated. And mm-hmm. I don't know nothing else. I don't know why my best friend was murdered. And this is so painful and this hurts, but I still know you still got to be good no matter what. So that was like something that, that kind of hurt really, really bad. And then I had a pretty toxic relationship with my mom, um, witnessed domestic violence, certain things like that. Um, like I said, I decided to pursue pursue therapy. Then I got my own own romantic relationships, and those were toxic. So, you know, uh, once I got out of certain situations, it was like, all right, I'm soaking here. Like I'm really, I'm drowning here. Um, mm-hmm. I had a full ride to to my school, Penn State, and I lost it. Um, so a lot of I had a lot of like rock bottom moments, but I were letting I let them all pile up. Until it was like, you know what, to do something about this because mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we we could we could afford it, but we shouldn't have to because you had a full ride here. So let's let's get it together. So same semester, got got into therapy. I had until the next semester to kind of get my my act together and got it together. Thankfully, um, got my scholarship back, and then from there, um, again, just kind of stayed on the track. But again, that self awareness bit. I had to realize, like, Kira, you've been through some things. You had to talk to somebody about it. You had to express yourself. Because, I mean, talking to your friends, that's okay. But they going through some things, too. So, you know, let's seek some professional help. You're in mm-hmm. school for this. So then my first therapist was actually a, a white male. Um, and he he didn't necessarily inspire me in a way that like he helped me, but he, he inspired me in a way where he made me want to talk to somebody that looked like me and 
I, I, st I stuck with him. I stuck with him for a couple months and he helped me get through some things as far as like learning how to communicate. Um, but as far as being able to um, relate to me on a more, you know, cultural level that was missing. So mm. I realized like I come from, you know, a predominantly minority community. It's my high school is mostly black. Most of my friends are black. Uh, we all going through the same things for real, for real. So again, my friends can't help me. This guy can't help me all the way. But some of the things he's teaching me, I kind of I like, you know what? Maybe I could do this for other people. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, domino effect, domino effect. So, been on it. That's such a powerful story. I think one of the one of the. I mean, you know, I, I got my teaching qualifications and and um, youth work experience back in New Zealand, oh, where yeah. um, which is where I'm from. Okay. And so the the experiences of Indigenous people. Um, are very different to the experiences of, you know, the black community here, for okay. example. Um, but whenever I'm working with my clients or, you know, students or whatever, um, I always open with, I don't know your trauma, but I definitely have experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so being, being able to ha share your trauma, I yeah. think is so pivotal. You know, I've, yes, I'm yeah. so sorry about your friend. That's horrendous. Yeah. 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 Nobody nobody should experience that yeah and then to experience it as a teenager you're like what the heck right my, and my friend she's supposed to be here for a long time like i'm thinking right. college together we, we planning all these things so it's really it was really hard to understand as a teenager i was really like oh that's yeah life is hard like life yeah. is, is a little wild um my dad tells me i'm strong all the time and for me now being 30 that was about 14 about 15, 14 years ago, um, I would say that I'm in a way, way better space, obviously. Yeah. He, he kind of reminds me of it. I'm like, dang, you're right. I was a, a teenager when that happened. No yeah. teenager deserves to go through that. So I always am reminded of that um, that time. So anytime I'm working with teenagers, I'm like, I feel you. <laughs> Trust me. Well, and, and that's the thing is that, I mean, again, I've, I've not experienced that. I've certainly, when I was a teenager, I lost people to suicide and drug yes. drug abuse and alcohol, et cetera. But it's still, um, it's still a lot. And, and now you're able to pass on that background and empower yeah. your young people yeah. to, that's such a powerful testimony. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I wanna, one of my mantras is hard talks heal. So oh, yeah, hard okay. talk. I'm I'm actually starting a, a YouTube series. People are telling me to like venture into the podcast world, but I I got a lot going on. You, you know, we started. <laughs> I got a lot going on, so I'm like, okay, we'll see. But hard talks heal. Just yeah. I can't get into the whole video podcast world. That's still, yeah. still what I share. Um, it, it's hard to talk about, but it's necessary. You got to release it in some type of way. So. Yeah. I often tell people we take the bullshit, we turn into fertilizer, and use that fertilizer to find a garden. You know, that's mm. that's yeah. <laughs> I'm very eloquently spoken in that it. regard. <laughs> it's the musician in you. I love it. The wordplay. It's the wordplay. <laughs> so I wanna um let, let's set step back maybe a little bit more out of the darkness a little bit. Um, mm. unless we want to say that, it's up to you. But I, I'm kind of curious nowadays in 2023. The world looks different. You know, you've been working on this uh, in this field and, and you know, studying for 
you know, a few years now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, how have things changed and grown and developed in how you're approaching the world of mental health in 2023? Hmm, things are changing in a sense of... Um... I'm, I'm more telehealth now, I would say, obviously. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, was, I started this journey um, on a more in-person track. Uh, again, it was one of residential counselor positions. So the kids came and, like, stayed with us when they needed to. The very next position after that was an um, inpatient psychiatric hospital. So I'm direct care. Um, right after that, I switched because I think that was when COVID hit. Yeah, and a lot of things became... Um, yeah, vaccine required. And, and that wasn't, you know, kind of my journey. So once um, work from home position started to open up, the first job I got outside of that was working with, um, working as an outpatient therapist for clients with substance and alcohol abuse. And those were obviously adult clients, um, but it was their families as well. So mm. I had to work with the kids of the alcoholics, the the wives, the you know husbands, the people that they impacted or affected with their issues. Um, so I still got that experience with just in a different way. Mm-hmm. So direct care with the kids, but it was direct care with the people that are you know creating their experience. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting, because I, I, I'm curious um, when it comes, you, so you're talking about like obviously working with, with substance abuse is more adults. Yeah. Do you not have much interaction with teenagers? Um, no, well, I, I mean, my apologies for saying, obviously, I would say that. Uh, no, no, that's okay. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that that, that specific um, uh, company worked with only adults. Um, so I will say um, my internship the most the most experience I have with um, children kind of in that world is uh, I did a smoke cessation kind of group with adolescents in high school. Mm-hmm. That was mostly in regard to um, marijuana and um, cigarettes, so like okay. nicotine. So I, I will say I don't have much experience with anyone uh, let's say eight 17 and younger um on the more hard stuff like gotcha. alcohol issues or the opioids or anything right. like that so I, right. that that group when i worked with that population that company started at 18 and, and older so. gotcha but but to your point i mean mm-hmm. that like a just like rising tides lift all ships falling tides also drop ships yes. <laughs> right yes. Thank so, you. like, how, what are the, what are the sort of um, trends, I guess, mm-hmm. that you've seen when it comes to helping one person and, you know, th- their ups and downs and how yeah. it affects their family life? Yeah. Um, do, are you speaking in, for a certain population um, with a certain issue or just in general? Just in general, you know, I mean, tra- like I said, trauma looks different in, on everybody. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to pigeonhole a specific. Yeah. So you know. I would say um, my experience so, so far um, it was being like a therapist in different ways. I've noticed that they just need consistency. They need someone that is genuinely there um, not to, not to like want anything outside of wanting the best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, from my experience now with the companies I work for, 
but I see I see so much progress. It's it's not scary, mm-hmm. but it's it's like what's the catch? You know, um, I also get a chance to get a lot more feedback. So maybe that's why my clients give like excellent feedback. So I'm like, okay, but I also get to see the progress with their, like, um, their assessments. We do monthly assessments on them just to see, like, are you as anxious as you were about Mm -hmm. a month ago? Um, are you really doing those breathing exercises? Are you really, you know, checking those cognitive distortions with those cognitive clarities that we work through? Are you really using those coping skills? Because I'll be able to tell if, you know, you're reporting something other than what's being expressed. But I don't know. Um, I just think that just making sure you're genuine, you're genuine Mm -hmm. with clients, they'll be able to tell. I don't know. I I think people have a, they in general have a good sense of an energy um, they can tell when you're not feeling it. They can they can tell when. Of you, course. You no, know, you're not. You know, you're not engaged. If you don't care, but you, you know, if you're looking somewhere else, because I do video sessions, so mm-hmm. sometimes I do over the phone too. But um, yeah, um, I, I hope I answered your question. I don't know. No, you're, you're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I, I, you've spawned another question though. So two things. One, you said you mentioned cognitive distortion. Mm-hmm. versus cognitive clarity clarities yeah, yeah can yeah. you for anybody who's listening right now yeah. who has no idea what those oh, are yeah what are you talking about kira talk to oh, us so it's a, 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 a non-professional like with the words and all that way to say it. <laughs> speak oh to us like we're, like we're normal people Come yeah on <laughs> i just put myself up for that okay so basically if you think about the words and kind of break them down cognitive has to do with the brain and like mm-hmm. how you think um and then the distortion is obviously like something's wrong so mm-hmm. it's like a thought process that is it has flaw it's flawed it's a flawed thought process so an um, example would be um, over-exaggerating. That's a thought process that is considered a cognitive distortion mm-hmm. where um, someone may say things like, like always, um, this always happens to me. Mm-hmm. I never, I'm, I'm never going to get anywhere in life. Um, just over-exaggerating the, the thought process in, in a detrimental way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the clarity would be, for me, if I have a client that's constantly um reaffirming themselves negatively like that I try to get them to balance it with the clarity as well so like okay if you're gonna all say I'm never gonna get somewhere we'll also practice I'm always gonna get somewhere we have to balance it because you have to get some practice with not saying that all the time you're yeah. used to, you're used to that thought process so you have to work through it it takes a lot of practice when you're used to thinking a certain way uh-huh <laughs> So when I have my clients coming to me, I I have them give me examples of like, okay, so what was going on? I have one client that old she goes down a rabbit hole, you know, rabbit hole of just negative thought processes. So I make her climb back up it. Let's okay, you did all that negative thinking. That's cool. What's the what's the opposite of those? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's also what's the evidence do you have to prove all of that negative stuff is going to happen? We also, as I think humans, we tend to just like think negatively, foreshadow negatively for no reason. So if you're going to do it, do it positively too. Mm-hmm. Set yourself up for failure, that's fine, but also set yourself up for the good. 
you Cognitive know, you, reframing. Amen yeah, to that. <laughs> yeah, it's not balanced. It's this the world is hard enough. Why are you being more hard on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. Self-care, self-love. You gotta you gotta provide that balance. Now, when you get to a certain level, you're you'll start to talk to yourself more kindly more often than the negative, because the mm. negative will start to not make any sense. Like, why am mm. I doing that to me? You know? Mm. Mm. I love that. It takes a lot of practice, but we work through it. And again, you'll you'll you get to see it when when they come to session and they're they share like their experience. They're like, yeah, I was doing it, but then I did this, and I okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I, I get a lot of my uh, my kids to my my take my teenagers to to write there that the the positive the mm-hmm. counterbalance in yes. the song. So it's like, you know, because affirmations was something that I was raised with as a child. Mm-hmm. And I used to get so sick of them. I'm like, mom, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I don't like to look at myself in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. Yeah. I am black and beautiful. I am, I am, I am. I, am, I, am. <laughs> I hate it. Your mom but, was great for that though. Listen, I <laughs> did not realize that until I moved to this country. I was country. about to say, when did you realize that it was a good thing? When I went to the Black History Museum and learned about the paper bag test. I had no idea. So hats off to my mother. Yes. But um, but anyways, I, I said that to me, like I did not like those positive affirmations. Okay. So I always turn them into song. So that's what I get my kids to do. Okay. So I, I love that you're doing that work in a way that's like accessible yes. and and um, fun, yes. right? Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. it, that cognitive reframe is such an important part. I have one more question before we've got to bounce because I feel like we could talk forever. Yeah. I super appreciate <laughs> you. Yeah. You mentioned that you you've gone from in person to a lot of telehealth stuff. Yeah. What have been what have been like the positives or the benefits that you found with telehealth in comparison to the in person therapy? Um, I will say most of my in person work was group work. Um, I had. Oh. Because it was with the the and on the hospital floor with the adolescents, so I had anywhere from like ten to forty adolescents at once, and mm-hmm. wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. But um, and then the outpatient work was was like a a group, so like ten, ten to fifteen on that. Um, but again, if I did one on one with them, that was rare, but we still we offered it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I will say that the telehealth, I like it a little bit more and I, I don't know why I, I will say, I wish that, I wish it was a mixture. I wish we could do a mixture in a sense, because the telehealth bit, those clients are more voluntary. They signed, mm-hmm. they signed up for it. So they're more ready, um, and willing to work, um, and I think that's I'm a very assertive therapist. I'm I'm not aggressive. I'm not disrespectful, but I'm I'm very hold you accountable. And you you came here for this, so remember you said that. And I'm my memory is great. So, um, yeah. So I think this that this the telehealth world is a little bit more fitting for me now because again these clients want to be here more so than when I was in person. Those clients were mandated or. Yeah. You know, like I don't know what it's called in um Washington, but it's called 1013 here. It's it's called 302 in Philadelphia. So like against their will, it was very rare where we had voluntary clients. Um, so yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> that's the difference. They, that's they, a huge difference. That's a yeah, huge difference. Work and I and I love what I do. So when I have clients show up and 
you know, they they, yeah. they schedule themselves. They look at my schedule, they they schedule themselves. So when I have a client finish a, finish a session and then they go automatically book the next session, I'm like, okay, good job. Like, this is, you're ready. And then, I mean, I, they do it right after session. So I'm like, you're on a high, but sometimes you don't, they don't show up eventually, you know, the next week. But um, I like my, my adolescent clients because their, their parents kind of help hold them. Hold yeah. Them so. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I love the work you're doing. I'm it's it's again, it's really awesome for me on yeah. a selfish level to meet <laughs> someone who has that like that that that, that just juxtaposition between like one career and another and you're just yes. like balancing that therapy therapy is like yes. I feel you. That, that's <laughs> brilliant. That's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um for those who want to keep in touch with you, how can people best access the wonderful Kira? So um, for therapy, uh, I have an Instagram now. I don't really use it much, but it my you know you can still contact me on there. It has my link to you know book me if you're in Georgia. That's the only place I'm currently licensed in, and I am currently accepting clients right now um, through two different companies. So one company I service um, therapy only clients, and then another company I service therapy and coach clients. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on what type of services you're looking for, um, how in depth. So um, should I write it somewhere or like? Spell oh, it for you? we'll put it, we'll put it in the um, in the in the description okay. of the video. So that that's cool. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So Instagram, yes. um, we are here. Thank you so so much for the conversation. You know, therapy. It, it's listen. If 2020 <laughs> onwards has taught us nothing. Um, nothing else it should be the our mental health our emotional health you know health full stop are imperative so thank you thank you thank you for the work that you're doing I'm super excited to see how your therapy goes and and of course if you want to keep in touch with me my name is Emma G and once you've gone to see Kira we can turn those affirmations and all that beautiful work that she's doing with you into dope songs that will serve you right into the future Um, until next time friends be kind be safe spread love like it's going to fashion and remember this is your life the world may try to put you into boxes tell you who to what who you are tell you what labels to ascribe to yourself tell you how to show up but you have the pen friends you have the ability to write your own song make it a masterpiece until next time we'll see you soon I'm feeling straight. I've overthought my mistakes. I turn one into one. So hard to stay sober. I'm damaged and I'm love stoned. So hard to remain in control. Rewriting what I thought I'd know. And I'm drinking it in. But the lesson ain't over. And I can almost pinpoint where we ran wrong. I'm not about to stand stone. The foundation said I'm good to go.
Living proof that love wins. I'm living proof that love wins. 